So the question is, um, when Jesus claims or seems to claim not to know the timing of his return, are there any people who think that actually the Father does know something that Jesus the Son does not know? So what people would say is, strictly speaking, there is a, uh, there has to be a sense in which anything the Father knows, at least in the factual sense, Jesus as divine person would also know. Right, that by definition of omniscient, there can't be any facts that you do not know. So there's at least that sense in which you would have to say that Jesus the Son would know it. But what they will do, if you take the first response that I talked about, some will say that there is a, that at that moment Jesus was in the position as he had restricted his consciousness down to um, what normal humans could acquire through their knowledge of of the world, and so in that sense. He didn't know it because it wasn't part of what he was consciously focused on at that moment. So that would be close to what what you're suggesting. So there are some people who would say that. Um, And then there are others who say he was basically saying a clever way of, it's not for me to say when it it is. Um, But if you follow the, the notion of the incarnation was about Jesus operationally restricting himself to a range of actions and and ways of operating that are accessible to all humans, then there is the potential in there that he could be sort of intentionally not focusing on something that he actually does know, and so in that sense, not knowing it. So does that mean that God learns? Okay, so the question is, if, uh, if this line is right, if, if Jesus in part takes on the form of a human being um, in order to uh, know us, is it possible then, are we saying that God learns something? Well, here's where people start to get uncomfortable. So what I would say is that when we talk about facts in God's head, so to speak, right, in terms of omniscience, there's nothing more to to know in that sense, right? So when Christians say that God is omniscient, they are making a claim about what gets called propositional knowledge, right? Knowledge that this statement is true or this statement is false. So for any statement that you like, God could tell you it's true or it's false and be completely correct, There are other senses of knowledge that we talk about as kind of experiential knowledge. Knowledge that is kind of that first-person feeling part. And in that sense, most of the time Christians have not intended for omniscience to cover that. So, for instance, here's a weird question. Does God know what it's like to be a scorpion? It's sort of an odd question, right? I mean... God knows what scorpions can do, right? If you have some person who loves scorpions, God knows more about scorpions than they do in terms of the facts, right? God could obviously, if he wanted to, think about what would it be like to crawl on the ground and have pinchers and sting things. I mean, we, you know, he, God could do that. But that first-person experience, God wouldn't have. Just like, right, I don't have the experience or I will never have the experience of being pregnant. And right in the literal sense, since Jesus became a male, right, God doesn't know that first-person experience what it's like to be pregnant. So I would be perfectly fine to say that God learns in that sense, but it's important to note that um, we're not saying God learns in the sense of acquires new factual knowledge, right? Because omniscience, the thing that God has from the outset, perfect factual knowledge, that's what people typically mean by omniscience. They don't mean that God knows what it's like to be a scorpion because, right, in principle, that's not something God uh, could know. I guess God would have to take on form of a scorpion to do that, but Christianity doesn't claim that God has done that. So in that sense, God would learn in the sense of acquiring first-person experiential knowledge. And that's not a limitation, so to speak, on God's knowledge in the normal sense. It's just a notion of, well, I mean, 
Because basically what you say when you say you learn is basically to say you're saying that you've had that experience. And so until you've had that experience, you haven't had that knowledge. Yeah, so the question is, is it fair to say that God is all-knowing but not all-experiencing? I think we would say yes, right? So he can see the experience, right? He can factually know what it means. So it's not like he has no idea of what it would be like in the sense of he can't tell you lots of stuff about it. But obviously God doesn't have the experience of committing sin, right? On the Christian view, God doesn't have the experience of being a scorpion of all kinds of things. Um, so omniscience is not meant to be, or has not traditionally been understood to mean all experiencing. Okay, so the, the question is, how radical of an experience was it for Jesus to take on the form, or to become a human, and to learn the things that we learn? So there's, there's kind of a spectrum within Christians as to um, how you are to understand the notion of operationally limiting yourself. The most radical position, I'll just lay this out for the sake of argument, it's not that uh, this is the only way to do it. So the most radical view would say that he, he limited himself from the moment of conception to exactly what any other human would have had at that moment. And that from that point on, he will not again allow into his consciousness anything beyond that apart from what he can learn by being a human. And so on that view... Jesus would have actually at some point, and again, this is one way to, to lay this out, that actually at one point Jesus would have actually discovered that he was divine. He would have discovered all of the same things that we know of him. Um, and, and so that would include, that would be sort of the more radical view of sort of actually learning what these things are like firsthand through trials and tribulations. And what that would actually also mean about humanity is that humans are capable of a whole lot more than we think they are. Because obviously the view that we get of Jesus at the end is Jesus knows pretty much everything, can, can do all this stuff. And so obviously the, if he still is somehow learning that through being human, that would mean that actually humans can learn quite a bit, right? So if you've ever thought about the notion of, you know, how is it that somehow Christians in heaven somehow have all their questions answered? Well, maybe there's no upper limit as to how much humans could in principle learn. So if you accept that view... Right? Jesus would have discovered all of these things through the normal, uh, the normal means that we would discover them. Obviously, because he always chooses to do the right thing, he doesn't have the, ne- the hindrances that necessarily we get ourselves into by acquiring all these biases and not following the evidence on our reasoning. So he would figure it out much quicker. And I think you can read in, in Scripture and the accounts of him at age 12, you know, in the temple amazing the scholars. It was he wouldn't have necessarily had fall into all the traps that we do. Um, so this would have been a faster process perhaps for him, but it would still have been a struggle um, in the way that it is a struggle for us. You, you yes. mentioned motivations for divine incarnation. You don't mention love. Okay, so question is, why, why didn't I use love in, in the argument um, for, for God becoming incarnate? I certainly intended that to be there. I, for what, I find that the word love is a little too squishy sometimes to use in this, this sort of context. So that's why I focused on the notion of knowing another or moral goodness or mutual identification. If I were to do it in terms of love, I would mean, so to speak, by love all that stuff. I just chose not to use that term just because I, sometimes it's a little bit on the squishy side, uh, in some context. Uh, obviously we could have just said, um, or I'm perfectly fine with the view that sort of perfect love would involve 
that sort of mutual identification. And insofar as we seek to more perfectly love those around us, we are also trying to do that. And so I'm perfectly fine with saying that. I just chose not to do it because it tends to be a little, little squishier. So now we, so the question is, if God is omnipotent, could God have summoned to himself all of the sensations that human beings have, or for that matter, that anything had, um, instead of actually sending his son and becoming incarnate? So now we start to get to the point where we're getting really close to sort of the philosophy, hair-splitting sorts of answers. Um, Ultimately, if God were to do that, he would not be experiencing it as a human, Right? In other words, if God were to, um, if we talk about mental states, right, states of mind and certain sorts of feelings, as an omnipotent being, there are things that God could sort of call to his mind that would be very similar to what we experience. So, for instance, if you've experienced something before or you haven't, right, you can sort of say to yourself, what would that be like and try to cause yourself to kind of feel that way. Um, maybe if you've been, you know, in drama or things like that, you might have tried to do that to muster up certain sorts of emotions, even if they were about circumstances you'd never been in. So obviously, as an omnipotent being, God presumably would be really good at doing that. But still, he wouldn't be experiencing that as a human, right? It wouldn't be the same. In other words, it's one thing to feel sadness for the death of someone that you, that you love. It's another thing to be a human being and be in a position where you got there too late and Lazarus died. Right? That's very different than sort of God do, doing that sort of not as a human being. And so there could be some similarities, obviously, in the mental states, but there would st- it would still not be the, so to speak, first-person experience of it. So the question is, is that similar to creation that the notion of God could... Uh, think of and imagine all these things that it create, but that's different than actually doing it. I think it, there is some similarity there. And part of what makes the Christian view of God unique is that it, God doesn't just think about creation and create it and then let it spin off and do its own thing, that God is intimately interested in it so much so that he's prepared to actually enter it, to actually identify with the persons that are there.